is Aid Abdinasab. We are here at the first episode of Maillard Specialty Coffee Podcast. In Maillard Specialty Coffee Podcast, we are just talking about specialty coffee. You can download from YouTube Maillard Reaction Podcast and also MaillardReaction.org website and also all the podcast platform. But I have a question. Where does your coffee come from? You may know that coffee is a plant and recognize that the beans came from a bright red coffee cherry. But what is inside that coffee cherry? And uh, what does it mean for your cup? The different parts of the coffee cherry have an impact on processing method. And on your coffee's final profile, let's take a look at the basic anatomy of the coffee cherry to better understand our daily brew. See, the beans we roast, grind, and brew to make coffee are the seeds of a fruit. Have you ever known? The coffee plant produces coffee cherries, and the beans are the seeds inside. Coffee trees can naturally grow to over 30 to uh, 35 feet or roughly 9 meters. But producers prune and stomp plants because they want to keep it shorter and conserve the plant's energy and to help harvesting because the laborers and pickers cannot pick the cherries from 9 meters. <laughs> Smaller trees have better yield and quality in a limited space. Each tree is covered with green, waxy leaves that grow in pairs, and coffee cherries grow along its branch, depending on the variety. It's really important. What's the variety? It takes three to four years for a coffee plant to produce fruit. The National Coffee Association in the USA, that the average coffee tree, the let's say it can produce 5 kg of coffee cherry and the result of that is around 1 kg of green beans. But there are different variety of coffee and their beans have many different characteristics. They are different in size, flavor, disease resistance, among and other factors. But a coffee cherry skin is called the exocarp. It is green until its ripeness to a bright red or yellow or orange or even pink color when it's ripe. Depending on the variety, green coffee cherries shouldn't be confused with green coffee beans. It's <laughs> different, which are the unroasted seeds from inside the ripe coffee cherry. Beneath the cherry skin is a thin layer called the mesocarp, more commonly known as the pulp. Mousselage is the inner layer of the pulp. There's also a layer of pectin underneath the mousselage. These layers are full of sugars, which are important during the fermentation process. Then we reach the coffee seeds, which are technically called the endosperm, but that's we know better as beans. There are usually two beans in a coffee cherry, each of which is covered by a thin epidermis known as the silver skin and a papery hull that we call parchment, or technically we call it endocarp. The parchment is usually removed in hulling, which is the first step in the dry milling process. Machines or millstones are used to remove any remaining fruit and the dried parchment from the beans. But sometimes green beans are sold 
with this layer intact as parchment coffee. The silver skin is a group of scolarchima cells that are strongly attached to the beans. These cells from support and protect the seeds. They come off during roasting when they are known as chaff. Sometimes there is just one seed inside the coffee cherry and it is rounded and larger than usual. This happens is about 5% of coffee cherries and the beans are known as peabery. The name is peabery. Peabery can be an anatomical variation of the plant or they can form when there is inefficient pollination and one ovule isn't fertilized. Sometimes the seed simply fails to grow, whether due to genetic cause an environmental condition. Peabery's usually occur in the parts of the coffee plant that are exposed to serve weather conditions. There's some doubt over whether peabery's have a sweeter and more desirable flavor, and they are sometimes sold at a premium, regardless of whether you think they taste different. The rounded shape allows for better rolling in the roasting drum. So it's best to keep them apart from other beans to avoid an inconsistent roast. But coffee cherry skin and fruit is usually discarded, but sometimes they are dried to make cascara for tea and other produce, produced. It is difficult to remove skin and mousselage from coffee beans and different processing methods have developed to do so. Each method has an effect on the flavor and profile of the final coffee. For example, washed coffee has all of the fruit flesh removed before drying, but in natural coffee, the fruit flesh is removed after drying. In honey and pulp natural processing, the skin and sometimes part of the mousselage is removed before drying, but the remaining mousselage and other layers are removed after. Leaving the mousselage and results in sweeter coffee with more body. It's easier to understand why if we compare both dry and wet post-harvest process. When coffee cherries are taken from the branch, they start to germinate. This uses the sugar in the seed germination stops when drying begins. Natural process coffee go to the drying trays earlier than pulp natural or washed coffees. Because of this, more sugars remain in the naturals and you end up with a sweeter bean. Washed coffee have clean, more consistent flavors that can show off a lot of acidity. Natural coffee have a lot more fruitiness, sweetness, and body. The sugars of the mousselage also ferment during both dry and wet processing. And this has an impact on the final flavor without careful monitoring or consistent drying. The unpredictable process of fermentation can undesirable quality. Understanding the basics of the coffee cherry can help you better understand production, processing, and roasting. Next time, we are choosing between a natural process and washed coffee. You can have more confidence in knowing what that means and its impact on your cup. 
Do you have a go-to brewing method that you use every time, a standard order at your local coffee shop? Many of us decide on the type of coffee we like and stick to it. But maybe it's time to switch it up and become more adventurous. <coughs> Whether you start experimenting with brewing rivals, exploring new origins, or completely change your preparation techniques, there are many different ways to rethink your coffee experience. Why become more adventurous with your coffee? Because it's like a food and drink. Coffee isn't just one homogeneous product. Would you group all wines together? No. How about every kind of cheese? Coffee has a wide variety in flavor and trying different ones can open up a world of new sensory experience. Oh, try. Please try different type of coffee can also help you develop a more nuanced palate, which will be help you better identify which features you like and dislike. It may also allow you to better understand description on bags of coffee and in it's your cafe. But have you ever heard, have you ever thought where you can start? It can be overwhelming to look at all the coffee on offer in a specialty cafe or to consider which to buy from a roaster. But don't be afraid to ask for help. Brisa and Roaster usually want to share their knowledge and can advise on which means to try. In my opinion, in my opinion, um, in my opinion, I think we'll learn how to taste coffee by getting in touch with coffee people and trying coffees from different region and roasters and also method. It's useful to take suggestions from experienced coffee professionals, but you should also learn about the rivals, rivals that influence the taste of your coffee and also roast profile. When you start drinking coffee, you usually drink a blend, which probably has a dark roast, so the aroma and the flavor profile are not that different from one coffee to another. In general, light roast have the brightest, most acidic flavors, while medium ones are more balanced and smooth, dark roasts are overwhelmed by the taste of the roasting process. So, yeah, but the processing method is also really, really important. After coffee is harvested, it's processed in simple terms. This is just the way the coffee bean is removed from the cherry and dried. But there are many different methods and they can make a big difference to the final cup. Washed or wet processed coffees are often described as clean, have a light body and feature bright acidity and floral or fruit flavors. And also natural processed coffees tend to have a low acidity, rich body, and sweet and fruity flavors. Ha now, honey processed coffees 
tend to have more body than those processed using other methods and have intense sweet notes of ripe fruit and honey. But not all coffees processed in the same way will taste identical variety origin and brewing method also have an impact on profile. Variety and origin. Different varieties of coffee have different chemical compounds, which means they have different flavor and aroma, producing qualities. So some varieties have a reputation for a certain flavor. So some varieties have a reputation for a certain flavor and quality. This is why you may hear some coffee lovers get excited about a geisha or being available in their local cafe or see some people always choose a bourbon from the roasters. Not all examples of the variety taste the same. Just like not all cardonize or cedars taste alike. But in general terms, Tipicas are known for clean acidity, bourbon for sweetness, and geisha for tea-like floral notes. Different growing environments also influence the chemistry and therefore the taste of coffee. Environmental conditions including local climate and altitude play a part. Not all coffees from one region will taste identical, but there are defining, defining characteristic of different urges. Andrew advising. For myself, coffee from this region tend to be well-balanced, so they're not too overwhelming. You could also try different opinion from Brazil, which is known to produce coffee with chocolates and hazelnut notes. My opinion is better to make filter coffee to explore new flavors. Also, espresso can be a poor choice if you're trying to develop your palate and learn more about coffee. Espresso is difficult to taste for many people because espresso is short and very, very intense. There are many variables within each brewing method, including grind size, water temperature, pouring technique. If it seems like too much work to brew yourself, try ordering different coffees prepared as pour-overs in a third-wave coffee shop and comparing them. You may also like brewing method compared you should you make coffee at home. But how to develop your palate? Drinking a wide range of coffees from different regions will help you to start to identify different notes and learn what flavors you enjoy. Go to coppings, try different origins in a coffee shop, and ask the brisa for new ideas. Keep notes to learn what origin and profiles you enjoy. It's always a process. We should pay attention to our preference. Sometimes a person likes sweeter notes more than fruity coffees. Some people love acidity. Everyone should first understand the difference between the profile and then starting improving their palate. There are some techniques that you can use to improve your sensitivity and understand what to look for when drinking or cupping coffee. Taste a variety of fruits and pay attention to the different acidity 
and sweetness. Some coffee professionals also use candy in the same exercise. You can also create a specific solution of salt and sugars to make you aware to different flavors. Sample them and take note of what each one tastes and feel like. The SEO Sensory Foundation course recommended the following recipe. For sweetness, for sweetness, 24 grams saccharose or sugar per 1 liter water. For sourness, 1.2 gram citric acid powder per liter water. For saltiness, 4 gram salt. For bitterness, 0.54 gram caffeine per liter. For umami taste, 2 gram magnesium glutamate per liter. And you can learn more about them in all websites and also SCA website. But with this method, you can learn more in coffee tasting and exercise that will improve your palate. Perhaps you will start to develop more sensitive, more sensitivity to different coffee and recognize difference in flavor or aroma, but can't articulate them. There are some professional resources that can make it easier to communicate with Brisa, Rosser, and other coffee lovers. See, it's really important to figure out how you speak in the coffee language. You should speak about quality. You should describe the coffee. They are really, really, really important. And for them, you should have exercise. You should have practice in coffee. With your tongue, you just feel five basic tastes, as, a, as we saw, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, umami, and you don't feel any flavor with your tongue. All the flavor is about aroma. All the flavor. So take a look. When you keep your nose, you don't understand any aroma. You don't understand any flavor. You just understand the basic taste. And when you remove your finger, you feel all the flavor. This is about just aroma. World Coffee Research, uh, they produce sensory lexicon. Is It is a useful free resource that will help you better communicate what you experience in your coffee. That coffee taster flavor will is based on the same information. The world of specialty coffee may seem intimidating or overwhelming with thousands of different coffee and offer. It's no wonder you may want to stick to what you know, but by trying different coffee, you can become a more informed consumers. You may also find your perfect coffee for each ocean. So don't be afraid and see if your local roaster has public coffee or head to third wave coffee shop and ask the barista for some suggestions. So hope you enjoy of this episode of Maillard Specialty Coffee Podcast. It was our first episode. My name is Saeed Abdinessa. Please leave your comments on our website www.maillardwithllreaction.org or org. Hope you enjoy. Have a good day.